0: Today, on It's Time.
1: I think a lot of times when we don't obey what God's Word says, it'll put a hurting on us. I hear the calling, it's time. It's time. It's time. time,
0: time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler.
1: by accident that you have these things in your life. It's by divine providence. Just so happens a guy who believes in Christ lives next door to the synagogue. What's the odds of that? Back in these days when there wasn't a lot of Christians around. In fact, there wasn't that many people who even loved God in those days, synagogue or not. So it's not by accident. When we begin to see our lives More through the eyes of God than through what we see in the carnal world. In other words, before we come to Christ, the Bible says we walk in darkness. After we come to Christ, we should walk in the light as he is in the light. The reason why is no longer now do we see things as accident or, whoa, pure luck. But rather we say, wow, God, this is your hand. And to recognize God's hand, I believe, is such an important part of our Christianity. And you might say the ability then, because you see it, you seize the moment. You know, um, we, we always use that acronym a little bit, but it's three kinds of people. Those that uh, make things happen, those that watch things happen, and those that wonder what happened. Well, you don't need to be one that wonders what happened, because as you walk in the light, you're not walking in retrospect, you're walking with forward look, and that makes a lot of difference in the way you see life. People that are always looking over their shoulder, living in the past, wish I would have done this, wish I would have done that, paralyzes from what God wants to do in the future. So understanding that, where are you at right now? Well, Paul happened to have a friend right next door to the synagogue. And so notice what happens here. Justice. One who worship God whose house was next door to the synagogue. Now, sometimes reading between the lines is a little fun. It can be a little scary. Cults love to do that. But something you have to remember is, everywhere Paul went, there was a crowd. And I'm sure that it wasn't long before Justice had groups of people coming over to his house to hear Paul teach the Word of God. And you can just see, and remember, Paul said, I'm not going to go to the synagogue anymore. I'm going to the Gentiles. So here, test one, here's a guy's house next door to the synagogue. He ain't going to the synagogue. He's going to the guy's house. Well, what happens? Verse 8. Then Crispus. He likes cereal. No, just kidding. Then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his household, and many of the Corinthians... Hearing believed and were baptized that's why I know that there was a group of people at Justice House next to the synagogue because this Bible verse here tells us there was a lot of people who believed and this was you might say his staging area Christmas comes over hey what are all these people here we're all talking about Jesus Jesus who and they reason with him from the scripture and notice who this guy was the ruler of the synagogue whoa now, you begin to see something here that God is doing. Corinth, a very evil town. I don't know, you have to think in your own mind of an evil town that allows about anything's the limit. And now all of a sudden there's a group of Christians that are forming, and a lot, because you know why? People of the world realize the answer is not in the world. you ever noticed that? You know, sometimes the people that aren't, you know, that that have no concept of God, people think, oh, well, they're too far gone. They'll never accept Christ. I have found that sometimes they're the first ones that will receive the Lord because they've tried everything in the world. And they know it doesn't work. So you then come along with truth, and they go, that's what I've been looking for. And God speaks in their heart, and they respond in hearing the gospel. Well, notice it says that Christmas, the ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all of his household. Well, you know what that is called? That's called termination. He wouldn't remain then the ruler of the synagogue if he was believing in Christ Jesus because the other Jews would dispel him. Well, we'll get into that in a minute. It says many of them were baptized. Uh, Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 that he baptized um, Crispus and Gaius. and But he said Christ... Uh, God did not send me uh, to baptize. But he he sent me to preach the gospel. Now, something you have to remember for those that believe you have to be baptized to be saved. If Paul was not baptizing people in the preaching of the gospel, then Paul was not really teaching the word of God. Somebody asked, do you have to be baptized to be saved? I would say the answer is no. Now, it is a command that Jesus gave. But we go to heaven because Jesus died on the cross, not because I'm baptized or not. The thief on the cross was not baptized. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. So we know that that's the case. But we also know that really, baptism is not an option. It's something that Jesus commanded to do. So we want to have baptism. We want to to do what Jesus said. But baptism is an outward sign of an inward change. Always remember that. Paul said, God did not send me to baptize. He sent me to preach the gospel. Again, this is in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He said, and I didn't baptize anybody except Crispus and Gaius. And we find Crispus here who he was. He was the ruler of the synagogue. So, he tells us, many believed and were baptized. Now, verse 9, the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. Notice what he says to him. Do not be afraid, but speak, and do not keep silent. For I am with you, and no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. Wow, (laughs) that had to be some good news. Now, why do you suppose that the Lord spoke to him? Well, we remember that Paul... Um, going back a couple chapters, was beaten because of his relationship and what he did. Remember the girl in uh, Acts sixteen who was possessed by a familiar spirit. And she could tell fortunes and brought her masters a lot of money by the ability to tell fortunes. And when they cast the demon out of the girl, she could no longer tell fortunes. And the people who owned this woman drugged Paul into in, into the court, and they were beaten. And then thrown into prison. And so I, I believe that Paul was going, oh, it's a little scary here, it's a little intense, and knowing this city is as wicked as it is. Ooh, this could be a bad thing. But God came and comforted him and reassured him to go ahead and do what I've called you. to do. Now, something important to remember is this. God continued to speak to his servants while they were doing his work. So what I think is really important with this is that though sometimes your hands may get heavy in ministry, and we already talked about that, when ministries first start, they're exciting and fun, but when they start persecuting you and beating you and throwing you in prison and things like that for the sake of the gospel, we need encouragement from God. And here the Bible says that God spoke to Paul in a vision saying, you keep doing what you're doing, I'm with you, no one's going to hurt you. I think that's pretty encouraging. Verse 11. And he continued there a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. So Paul is well establishing the Corinthian church. Now, (laughs) I like this. Because Paul writes this. He's there for a year and a half teaching them the word of God. And then when we read 1 Corinthians... It's funny how quickly they had drifted from what Paul had taught them. They had taken the communion, uh, time of remembrance, turned it into a drunken party. Uh, they were baptizing for the dead, which Paul says, why are you doing this? Where are you getting this drunk? Um, they had, had allowed this guy who was evidently hitting on his stepmother in the church. Maybe they were lip-locking each other right in the middle of the service. And Paul says, you're all kind of sitting around, you know, patting each other on the back, saying how you have love and you can tolerate this guy. You really need to take this guy out of the church. It's going to infect everybody is the basic bottom line. Well, Paul was there for a year and a half and they had drifted off. Now, here's the point. I believe that this is why we need to be in fellowship. I I think this is why we need to be guided by God's word. Because if we're not, we can begin to adapt philosophies and ideas from the world or even the cult into the body of Christ. This is why the New Testament primarily, you might say not only to reveal to us God's love for us in the Gospels, but in the epistles we find that they were corrective letters because people got off. And whenever you get off in your relationship with God, there's always going to be a price to pay in the way you live your life. You can say, well, you know what? The Bible says not to be an equal yoke together with non-believers, but, you know, this guy I'm going out with is really cool, or this girl's really neat, and I'm gonna go ahead and do what I wanna do and marry her anyway. And then a year or two, five years later, they're going, my gosh, what have I done? If I'd only listened to what the Word of God said. See, so, you can, you can diss the Bible, but we're the loser because God's word doesn't lie. So a lot of times people, people think, well, you know, I, I, you know, the Bible says not to be a co-signer for somebody, but I really like this guy. He's a friend of mine and I'm going to do it. Go ahead and do that anyway. And then the guy cuts out on you and uh, you have to pay his debt. You know, uh, the Bible says, why should they take your bed? Because he can't pay. You see, a lot of times God deals with people in financial reasons because he's wanting to teach them fiscal responsibility. And then we come along believing we're doing God's will by bailing them out of a problem when sometimes God says, I want to teach this person a lesson. Now, I'm not saying you should let somebody go hungry. I don't believe that. But I do believe sometimes when, you know, we've actually had people call the church here saying, I, need, I can't pay my, my bills, can you help me? Then I said, well, what are your bills? Well, I've got my $55 cable vision bill and I've got my, and I'm going, oh, right there. You don't need cable vision if you're in trouble financially. Well, if I don't pay the bill, they'll charge me a $100 reconnect fee. (laughs) Where? Sorry. It's really funny that people that are fiscally irresponsible haven't learned to go through and you might say with red ink go through and mark out things that no longer we can afford that are foo-foo's. And yet they'll turn to you to expect you to do that. So I, I think a lot of times when we don't obey what God's word says it'll put a hurting on us. So when somebody comes and says well you co-signed for me I go well let me show you something in the Bible here. And so you can pull up Proverbs and show them not to be a co-signer for somebody. Um, But now if you're hungry, let me help you. You see, there's ways that we do things in love. But again, sometimes people won't learn any other way than if it hurts sometimes. That's why we go through the trials that we go through. When we disobey what God says, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, if you disobey what God says, there's a price to pay. Now, I think God spends a little more time with his saints because he realizes for you and me that we belong to him. And so I think God's a lot more merciful to us, thank the Lord, than he is the people in the world. But we have a God of miracles. And so if we are out, we go, okay, God, I'm sorry. I was really foolish with what I have and my monies and everything like that. Forgive me. And And then, and then you know, we're in the world. You know, man, I'm broke. I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, when we repent, it's funny, the next day the phone rings and says, hey, I need some help. Can you come and I'll pay you? And you go, wow, God, that's awesome. It's just the way God works. So what I'm saying is that God has a way of making things right in our lives when we repent. And if we don't do what God says, we pay a price. So understanding that, Paul then taught these people for a year and a half. Pouring his life into them to straighten them out. Now, we know that the Corinthian church was fairly well established because right here it tells us that there was already believers that were kind of scattered amongst, but they, they hadn't really, it appears, really came together like they were going to because God said, I have many people in this city. Well, that was good. So Paul had, a, had those that he could teach. So that's what he did. Well, anyway, verse 12. Now, when Galileo was the proconsul of Achaia, the Jews with one accord rose up against Paul and brought him to the judgment seat. So they went down, citizen, you might say, arrested Paul, took him to the governor, you might say. And they were mad because, you see, Paul was having quite an impact in Corinth. <laughs> There was a lot of people believing in God. And and as a matter of fact, a lot of them, because of the location of Justice's house being right next to the synagogue, here where there's a few people going in here, here's a big crowd over at Justice's house. What do you call that? Spiritual jealousy. What was the first murder in the Bible about? Spiritual jealousy. Cain and Abel offered sacrifices to God. Abel's was accepted. Cain's was rejected. He didn't kill, you know, I killed Abel because he stole my woman. That wasn't what it was. God had a fight. You might say that Abel had a fight really with God because whatever he offered wasn't offered with the right heart. Abel's was, and so Cain's way of dealing with it was killing Abel. Again, it wasn't over, well, he stole 50 wampum, I don't know what he had, 50 bucks from me or whatever it was. It says that he, he, his sacrifice wasn't accepted. Well, here you find the same thing. These people were, were crazy with jealousy. And so it says they brought him to the judgment saying, this fellow persuades men to worship God contrary to the law. Now, notice who it was. It was the Jews that did it. In fact, I really believe at this point the Roman government didn't care about Christianity or anything else. They were just living their pagan, heathenistic lifestyle. But it was the Jews that continued to stir the people up against the Christians. And this then caused the government to become involved to come down on the Christians. It's really strange how this all unfolds. Well, anyway... These Jews come, holding on to Paul, saying this fellow persuades people, men, to worship God contrary to the law. You see, uh, in order to have religion, you had to have it government, Roman government approved. Well, these guys were just loving Jesus, that's all. And when Paul was about to open his mouth, notice, he was about to open his mouth. Galileo said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrongdoing or wicked crimes, O Jews, there would be reason why I should bear with you. But if it's a question of words and names and your own law, look to yourselves, for I do not want to be a judge of such matters. And he drove them from the judgment seat Wow. <laughs> he said, You guys, you know, and, and, and really that was wisdom. He he could see the jealousy, he could see something wasn't right, and he said, You know what? You guys get out of here. Exactly what God told Paul would happen in the dream. It wasn't going to be the way it was before when you got hauled before the magistrates concerning the girl who was demon possessed. This time you're not gonna get beaten. Notice what happens. Then all the Greeks took Stenophyses, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him before the judgment seat, but Gallio took no notice of these things. Uh, what's this? Let's look at it again. Knowing what we've just studied, now this verse will make some sense. Then all the Greeks took Stenophyses, the ruler of the synagogue. So that tells us that Stenophyses, the ruler of the synagogue, who evidently had taken Crispus's place. Crispus was the ruler of the synagogue, but he believed in Christ. Paul had been there for a year and a half teaching the gospel, and so now there's a new ruler of the synagogue who accosted Paul with his Jewish buddies, hook, took him down to Gallio's place, and said, look, he's reckoning, and he's, he's per, perverting our ways, and he's in rebellion to the government, and all these kinds of things. And Gallio says, you know what? If you guys got a criminal matter, I'll hear it. You don't have a criminal matter, get out of here. Then what's really strange is those guys that had brought Paul down thinking they were going to have Paul beaten or put in jail. Instead, what happens, as it says, then all the Greeks took Stenotheses, the ruler of the synagogue. So evidently he was probably the ringleader or the mob leader that accosted Paul to bring him down there. The ruler of the synagogue... It says they beat him before the judgment seat. Wow. He thought that he was going to get Paul, but instead, the Greeks got him. You know, it's funny. Sometimes the Bible says, the Bible says that the pit that they dug for you to fall in, they fall in themselves. It's really amazing how God works that way. By accident, Nope. By divine providence. Now, something interesting here. Stenotheses. Hmm. Well, we find later on up in God's word, if it's the same guy, and I believe it is, this guy gets saved too. No doubt, he probably saw the power of God in this event. And though he might have took a little bit of a whooping He came to the realization that God was real and that God had protected Paul. See, he went down there to indict Paul, and in turn, he's the one that got indicted and got beaten instead. God's got a way. God's got a way that's greater than our way, a better way, a better understanding than what we have. But you walk in God's ways. Your life is not by accident. The events right now in your life, you say, but Mike, you don't understand. I'm a Christian and I, I've rebelled against God and I've done a lot of stupid stuff and I'm in a big pickle in my life right now. And all I can say is this, God's bigger than the pickle you're in. And what the devil intended for your harm, God will make it for your good. Now you got to think about that. Where are you at right now tonight? How's God want to use you? That's a decision that you will make. That's why the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, all the other things will be added unto you. Well, when do I start doing that? You see, Mike, I got these problems in my life from not living the way God was. And as soon as I start getting these things all fixed up, then I come back to God and start doing what God wants me to do. No, you start right now. You say, okay, uh, God, I, I, I'm a train wreck, but God... You love train wrecks. You know what else is really amazing? God, knowing all the things that you would do wrong, still chose you to be in his kingdom. Isn't that good to know? So God picks losers, but then makes them winners. I like that. So remember that. Sometime when you feel that, oh, God, I've sinned too much. Well, the thing is, no, sin does hurt. You drive a nail in a board you pull the nail out, which is like the sin. Yeah, it leaves a hole in the board. But God is the one that heals. And so tonight, wherever you're at, realize it's not by accident. And God will, has promised, to rebuild your life according to his purposes. Let's pray. Father, tonight, thank you for your faithfulness. And Lord, we know that many times in our lives... We have gone too far. We've messed up. And yet, Lord, we see your restorative hand. As you rebuild our lives, you make us your children. Because we are. And so we ask you, God, that tonight that you would remind every one of us the work that you've begun in us, you will finish. And so allow us to see with your eyes, not with the eyes of the world, not with our old blind, dark eyes, but, God, that we would see your hand, these divine appointments, each and every day in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse-by-verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening and tune in next time for It's Time.